When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, everybody, welcome back to another edition of the Teardown. My name is Jeff Gluck, and I'm along with my coworker, Jordan Bianchi. And it's time for the NASCAR playoffs, everybody. Jordan was at the Southern 500 at Darlington Raceway tonight. I watched from my home here in Colorado. And boy, we got a lot more than we bargained for. At least I did, Jordan. Uh, that was quite a race. <laughs> that was uh, that had a little bit of everything. You had some drama with a lot of the playoff contenders having various issues. You had a, a quite video game-esque finish there with Kyle Larson trying to attempt a, a last-ditch Hail Mary, which almost worked and I went back and watched the replay, and I almost thought that Denny Hamlin had some sort of problem and that Larson just closed on him real quick. No, Larson just basically tried to blow the corner and almost pulled it off. Yeah. So it was it this was a it was a great race, and it, it sets up for what should be a very intriguing Richmond now with where the standings look. Yeah, I mean, so many guys had problems. I feel like there's been playoff openers in the past where you know you look at the top. 10 top 12 or something it's like all playoff guys and you're like yep everybody kind of held serve except for you know maybe one guy who had a problem or something no not tonight um i mean this was i think only seven of the top uh 15 were playoff drivers um that's that's i mean chris gabehart i asked him about it he disagreed with me he said that's par for the course but i, I don't think so I, I i mean for a playoff opener i know there's been some crazy ones in the past but this was like Man, there was a lot of stuff going on here that that took out a lot of guys, and the end result, funny enough, was that really um, it, nobody's really out of it. I mean, you look at Michael McDowell, and he's in the biggest trouble um, after you know wrecking really early in the race and finishing last. But despite that, I mean, with everything that happened, he's still only twenty points out. Which, if other people have problems and he has a couple decent runs, I mean, that's not impossible to overcome that. Um, and then you think about like, um, a William Byron, you know, you're like, well, that's disastrous for him. He's only nine points out Kyle Bush. I mean, that looked he's terrible for him. He finishes 35th. He's only two points out. And Alex Bowman, despite being way off, finishing four laps down is tied for the last spot with Tyler Reddick right now. And, and it's all achievable because when you look at eighth, eighth is only, uh, 12 points above the cutoff. So you have. Brad Keselowski, Christopher Bell, Chase Elliott, Eric Almirola, Tyler Reddick, they're all in this group within, you know, there's there's plenty to be decided still. And, and even the guys that are above, you know, 20 points, Kevin Harvick, Logano, there's, there's a lot left that can happen judging off this race. So as crazy as it was, it didn't really sort of tell us anything about what will happen um, going into round two, in my opinion. It's weird because watching this race, Michael McDowell crashes, you know, fairly early on. You're like, well, this playoff's over. Like, yeah, that's it. it. it so he's it's done. done. And then 
as things unfolded, you're like, well, like you said, well, he's still got a puncher's chance. Now, a lot's going to have to go wrong for other guys, and he's going to need a little bit of luck and has some good runs. And, but he's still conceivably in this, and it's not a must-win, quote-unquote. Kyle Busch, Kyle Busch has his incident, hits the wall, he's done, finishes 35th. And you're like, boy, oof, that's going to be a, a tough points hit. This is going to he's going to have to have two more clean races, no more issues, and we'll see how this thing shake out. Well, I don't know. I mean, by the time the 18 team literally packed up the hauler and they're ready to leave, William Byron's in the garage with a wrecked race car. Alex Bowman's got all sorts of issues as well. And so as this unfolds, it, it's not as dire as you would think it would be for some of these guys. And conversely. Brad Keselowski, who was off for, well, most of the night. I mean, outside the top 10, didn't have speed, wasn't running well. And you're thinking, oh, that's a tough way to, you know, start a, a playoff when you don't got a lot of playoff points to begin with. He finishes top 10 and, le- and puts himself in, you know, again, in a position where he's not going to have to be in scramble mode these next two weeks if he can stay, you know, on the racetrack. <laughs> I'm I'm so glad you brought up Kozlowski, Jordan because this is exactly what I was what I was thinking because you look at the guys who had problems tonight and I mean you know we we all saw the whole list that NBC was keeping we we kept our own notes and stuff like that I actually made a list of every incident that playoff drivers were involved in from the you know minor stuff like Chase Elliott hitting James Davison's tire and stuff like that I mean every little thing I mean the 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 highest finishing playoff guy, I think, who didn't have just anything happen to him, or like, not highest finishing, but just, you know, a, a, a driver like Keselowski, like he he was, like you said, out to lunch. I mean, he was he was the lowest running guy for a while before people started having their incidents. Next thing you know, he just has an uneventful night, takes what it gives him, and he finishes seventh. Joey Logano, somewhat similar, um, ends up finishing eighth. I don't think anything really happened to Joey Logano that I can think of. You know, they both get top tens out of it, even though they didn't have necessarily like the speed to win. Um, and and they, they took what they had. Even, you know, Kevin Harvick, he actually finished fifth despite, you know, he had to overcome several things that happened to him. Um, but that just shows you that if you just don't like screw up, <laughs> like if you just don't make a mistake or, yeah. you know, take yourself out. And, and some of those things weren't weren't their fault, but if you can just finish a race, like it goes so far, especially in round one, because you only have to beat four guys and it's very likely in, in every year of the playoffs that more than four guys are going to have problems. So if you just have like three top 15 finishes, you're probably going to be okay. And if you just let other people take themselves out, I know it's easier said than done, but you know, you saw a lot of people pressing tonight. I think I, you saw a lot of mistakes. The playoffs are here. Let's go. We got to get this. We can't, you know, and, and people were doing very uncharacteristic things. I agree. I mean, Michael McDowell's crash, it was, became a, on a restart shortly thereafter restart. He's trying to pass Eric Jones in another car. And you're thinking, well, why are you trying to make it two, three wide going into you know Darlington corner, pick and choose your spots, you know, exercise a little caution And he was actually turning really good lap times before that. So, again, if you're in that position, you you just finishing this race with a car intact and having a mistake-free night and getting a decent finish can go a long way. And you look at the guys who did that tonight, even like a Martin Chuck Jr. who had (laughs) all sorts of issues and things were looked like they were going to go sideways for him, still able to to leave with a, a good result. And it looks all the better because of all the issues that everyone else had. Yeah, I mean, like, look at Truex, right? 
I mean, he has a, a loose wheel, so he, he's got a pit. And then um, he can't take the wave around when the caution comes out, um, right, for the debris. And, uh, you know, just terrible timing for him. So he's trapped a lap down. Lap down. Um, then he, he's going to stay out and try to catch a caution. He finally says, you know what, I, I just got a pit. I can't do it. That's when the Byron thing happens. So it still keeps him a lap down. Um, then he's in position. He's going to race Denny Hamlin off pit road for the race win, what turns out to be the race win, essentially. And he's speeding. And then, you know, like you said, he still races up to fourth. But, you know, imagine having a race where you don't make those mistakes. We're talking about Martin Truex Jr. probably, you know, potentially dominating. And wow, Truex defended his Darlington thing. He's the guy we thought he was on 750 packages. You know, maybe we're not talking about Denny getting his first uh, win of the season. Or maybe the battles between Denny and Martin and not Denny and, and Larson or something. So I, I don't know. But, um yeah, it's just it's just so weird how um, you know, and, and I'll go back to Chase Elliott too because um, you know you could look at that Chase Elliott incident and say, well, you know he he got he was in a three wide position and you know he shouldn't you know may, you know it wasn't his fault or something like that, but but you know he alluded to it himself in the interview afterwards where he said too many mistakes he missed pit road mm-hmm. um, under caution right before that he didn't realize pit road was open yet so he had to go back around come down again, and then he was stuck in the back. And then what happens right after that? He's in a mess, gets put three wide, Bell and Bubba, you know, there's all this collision, and just like that, he's done. So that's the kind of thing you cannot do in the playoffs, you know? You can't, and I think we take about, take, I think what we need to look at too is Hendrick Motorsports was coming into these playoffs. There was a lot of talk of how many cars, not if Hendrick Motorsports is going to reach the final four, how many drivers was Hendrick Motorsports going to put the final four? And tonight, the only one you can feel comfortable about even making it out of the first round is Kyle Larson because Bowman, Byron, and Elliott all had major issues. And particularly in, in Bowman's case and in Byron's case, they're 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 in a danger zone. Yeah, and I mean the Bowman stuff, you know, spiraled downward. It was very preventable because 16th lap of the race, he scrapes the wall. And then, you know, Byron didn't see him, you know, catches the the right rear, um, Bowman's left rear, you know, they collide. Um, and then it just, it, you know, Bowman later has a fire in the pits, all the stuff, just, he could, he could never get back on the lead lap. Really unfortunate for him. And like you said, I mean, you go from talking about, can all four Hendrick cars get in the final four, which I rejected that as a possibility. Cause that seems to be every year, whatever team, you know, JGR, are they going to get all four in? Um, three is the most and three is a best case scenario and a lot has to go right exactly i mean you just look at this right now i mean two two hendrick drivers are below the cut line after one race now not saying it's going to stay that way they have a chance to fight back but you know that just shows you it's it's no given at all um now i don't expect you know people like chase elliott um to have two bad races or or even a byron or even a bowman um people like that but you but know, I didn't expect Elliot to have a bad night tonight, though. I mean, you just don't no, know. That's exactly. Exactly. I mean, and, and this is not the kind of thing that I, I think is easy. This is why it makes it so hard to predict these playoffs because, you know, you get used to seeing something in, in the first 26 races. You think it's going to, okay, well, we, we have a pretty good feel for who's good. And, um, you know, judging on who's good, these people will just sort of make it out. And they may very well still do that. But, you know, you stack two bad races, all of a sudden you're in trouble, especially going into Bristol. Um, and it, it, it ratchets up the 
the pressure next week for Richmond. You know, you really got to have a clean race. Um, but now a lot of people are going there thinking that. So, um, I don't know. It's, it's just gonna be really interesting, but it's just fascinating how the dynamic of the playoffs instantly changed things. Um, you know, and, and I think it makes it exciting. I mean, this was a, a over four hour race tonight, longest race of the season, longer than the Coke 600, um, despite being a hundred miles less. And yet this felt so action packed. And so like, I mean, I was never, I can't really think of a time where I was like, ah, I'm kind of bored with this race. I mean, it was, you were constantly like, you know, there was something compelling to watch or somebody, you know, Oh, Chastain's getting up there. Oh, there's this great battle between Hamlin and Larson or whatever it is. I mean, even on some of the longer runs, which there weren't that many long runs, but, um, you know, I, I thought it was a really good race. Like, especially from what NASCAR is today, where it's kind of like, Hey, kind of the, the chaos. Um, and then you, you have the mix of, you had the 750 package. So they were sliding around. Darlington had to test the drivers. Um, it was, it was a real, you know, test of skill overall, like for the teams, for the equipment, for everybody. I mean, this is, this was NASCAR. This to me is a, is the quintessential NASCAR race. Um, especially in the playoffs where you have some craziness, you know, I, it checked all the boxes for me, to be honest. I don't disagree. It was classic Darlington. I mean, you had guys at times dominated a little bit, but it wasn't like they were going to run away. You had tire wear, you had different pit strategies. You had a little bit of, you had physical racing guys getting into each other. You had a little bit of chaos. It had everything you want out of the Southern 500. And Darlington again delivered. Now there may be people who watch this and, eh, you know, things got strung out a little bit. Like to your point though, there wasn't a part of this race where I like, oh, this is kind of dull. Like even when Larson was dominating stage two, like there were other things going on within that stage that kept it compelling. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, and, and I really think too, that maybe, maybe the regular season points battle was trying to tell us something, right? Like, we were kind of, well, I don't want to speak for you. I was kind of dismissive, I think, of like, hey, Denny had a big points lead, but he never really won, and he just kind of, you know, Larson caught him, and we, we thought it was a matter of time for Larson to pass him, and, you know, Denny put up a fight, but Larson finally got him in the end. And But to me, it felt like, hey, Larson was really the best guy, you know, of the season. So, but then you come here, and you're like, well, wait a minute. Here these two end up going head-to-head again, um, Larson ends up leading 156 laps, Hamlin, 146 laps. Nobody else led more than 20 laps. Um, you know, it, it came down to these guys. These were, these guys were the story of the first 26 races playoffs open. They're the two guys there. They had a fun battle. Like you said, Larson sent it at the end. Really exciting to see Carl Edwards esque move like that, that we don't see very often anymore. Um, they end up, you know, Larson's there in victory lane, um, joking around with them and congratulating them and all the stuff. And it's just like, Hey, this is, you know, this is probably a, a preview of what's to come. You would think now I will say that we last year <laughs> thought it was going to be Harvick and Hamlin, um, after this first race, right. Cause Harvick won this Southern 500 a year ago. Yep. And we thought, okay, well here we go. It's going to be Harvick Hamlin. So it's not, you, you know, you can't necessarily take it all the way to the final four, but I think, these guys will go up against each other in several more races to come. I agree. I mean, it, as you said, these two have separated themselves from everybody. It seems like it's Hamlin and Larson in some order or Larson Hamlin and then everyone else. And if these two get to Phoenix, I, I think it's going to come down to them. Now the one person I think that can crash this party is Martin Truex Jr. 
They have to clean up some mistakes, though. They are having a really hard time having mistake-free, just quiet, solid days where they don't have any issues and they execute and they leave with a top two, three finish. That is not happening right now. Now, they've had speed, but they just don't have the results. So I'm curious to see how this goes. I am really leery of last year of trying to get too far ahead of myself. It, it seems like a foregone conclusion that Larson, especially with his bonus points and everything, like lock his name into Phoenix. But I'm just not ready to tell you that because I learned my lesson last year. Um, but you could say the same about Denny, though. Denny looks really good. And, and Denny's an interesting case study, too, if you go back to last year. He had a lot of speed throughout the regular season was pretty good at the beginning of the playoffs. They get to Phoenix last year, though. He was fourth best, and that was surprising. So you don't know with this format how it's going to go. And the one area that Joe Gibbs Racing, I think it's been – it's fair to say is like their 750 package right now it is better than their 550 package. And when they get to Phoenix, that is a 750. So that could be a benefit. Well, you know, we, we had talked a lot about how, um, you know, potentially – it was going to be Penske and JGR challenging Hendrick on the 750 tracks. I did not see the speed out of Penske um, that I would have liked to say, okay, yeah, Penske's going to be a, a 750 challenger. You know what I mean? Like, I think JGR, you could absolutely make a case um, between Hamlin and Truex. You don't know what Kyle Busch would have done ultimately. And Bell was up there for a little bit um, too, but I, I don't know. Like, I I just don't see enough out of Penske right now. Unfortunately for Blaney, his momentum, it only takes one race to eliminate all that sort of feel-good talk, too. He was good for a while tonight. He was the best Penske car for a while. He consistently ran in the top 10 before he had a, you know, a penalty on pit road and they got put in the back, and then his brakes went away. He looked solid tonight, not great. I don't know. It's going to be interesting. Like I mean, Brad is in a precarious spot because of his regular season isn't great. Blaney... Richmond has not been a great track for him at the cup level. Um, so that's that's a question mark. And then you go to Bristol. He's good at Bristol. Um, runs better there than he finishes, but you don't know what's going to happen. So, yeah, it was I was surprised by Penske. Um, I thought I'd see more out of them tonight. I'm curious what we see next week because Richmond has been a track where they have been very, very good at for a while now. And if they don't have the speed there, you're going to have to wonder, like, okay, what's going on? Well, until some uh, unfortunate mistakes, it looked like your belief in Kevin Harvick in the playoffs was... Hang on, hang on a second. You're a hypocrite. Okay. What, who did you have? You had him in your eight. You had him in your preview on The Athletic this week. You had him in your own eight. But yet, on this podcast, you ridiculed and mocked me for putting him in the round of eight. So you did what you were criticizing me for doing. Thank you for reading my picks. I appreciate that. You know, I, I think that... Uh, great job. You're uh you know, you're a wise man and you realize that the veteran guys are gonna be able to weasel their way into the rounds, uh the various rounds, even if they don't, you know, because like we talked about, they take the finishes that uh, they're given. They don't try to press necessarily as much as maybe some of the younger drivers. And um, you know, just like uh, Keselowski. So, you know, Keselowski, Logano, Harvick, those guys take the finishes they get. Harvick should be able to make the final eight based on that logic. But I'm sorry. And nowhere in there did I hear, I'm sorry, you're right. I apologize for mocking and ridiculing you. Maybe I missed it. I'm sorry you're right for the sense that he had speed that I did not think. I, I wasn't I was making my pick not based on thinking that he would have any sort of necessarily like increase in speed in the playoffs. Like they would turn it on. But 
this race started and it was like, wow, he's a top five car. Like he's going to be, he has something. And, um, that was really impressive and surprising to me. So like I was starting to say before you cut me off and demanded apology, I think you were right about that pick and, um, seems like it's looking good so far. If he's able to keep that up, um, you know, again, they had mistakes too, so he could have finished even better. You don't know. I mean, um, but it's, it's fascinating to me where this, some of this comes from like a Ross Chastain tonight, P3 challenging for the win. Um, his teammate, Kurt Busch, P6. Um, okay. Like if, if Ross Chastain can go out in the first playoff race in the Southern 500 and, you know, finish third behind the two best cars of the season, um, where, where was this all year? How, how does this suddenly happen? Especially you would think, well, a team is going to focus on their one playoff car. They're going to put everything into Kurt Busch or whatever. Um, he finishes three spots ahead of Kurt Busch. I, I just can't really explain that, that sudden burst in speed to me. I don't think it's a sudden thing. We've seen spurts. We've seen stretches from Ross Chastain this year. You go back, he's finished second at Nashville, Nashville, same size track as Darlington. Now different surface, concrete, asphalt you know, much different in terms of abrasiveness, but he did finish second at Nashville with speed in the 1.3 mile track. That's that, that you look at that and you say, okay, there's something there. They have been good in these kind of intermediate track cars. Now I know the packages are different, but Kurt won in Atlanta, which is very similar to uh, um, Darlington in terms of tire wear and strategy and able to, to really kind of put an onus on a driver's ability. So I wasn't shocked that Chastain had a good run tonight because we have seen these the spurts out of him. It's just, can he sustain it and not avoid the mistakes that he has and sometimes overdriving a little bit. And tonight he didn't, he did a good job of getting into the finish line. I, I mentioned bell earlier. Um, you know, in addition to bell also Almirola and Reddick were people that showed top 10 speed, mm-hmm. um, throughout probably the first half of the race. And you're thinking, okay, like Reddick looking real good. Almirola. I think he was running seventh for a while or something. And you're like, okay, He's brought something here, but you know, both the SHR cars are in the top 10 and all three of those cars fail to finish in the top 15, fail to capitalize on, you know, everybody else having problems. And as a result are no more than five points ahead of, of the playoff bubble right now, Christopher Bell plus five, Almirola plus three, Tyler Reddick tied for the last spot, but he's in based on a, a very thin tiebreaker. I mean, gosh, what a missed opportunity for those guys, just massive, you know, I do. I thought this was going to be a really good night for Tyler Reddick, especially early. I mean, going into this, I thought this track sets up really well. He's a guy who, who does really well at like Homestead, for example, which is another high attrition uh, for tire wear, that kind of track. And I thought he was going to do really well here and, and kind of be that surprise that we see. We saw it from Austin Dillon last year where they they start the playoffs. We're like, Whoa, where did this guy come from? I thought that was Reddick. And it looked like that was going to be the case. And then he just faded as the night went on, got into the wall a couple of times and it just, it went sideways. And I almost feel like it's a missed opportunity for him because you look at all of the guys that had issues. And if you're an Omarola, you're a Redick, you need to capitalize on these opportunities because this is your opportunity to put a little bit of distance between yourself and everyone else. And you didn't do it because to be honest, I've got a lot more confidence in a Kyle Busch and a William Byron to rebound from this tonight than I do have of Eric Omarola or Tyler Reddick figuring it out the next two weeks. You know, it's one thing to have something happen or even to make a mistake, right? But it's easy to do that here. Yes. 
But when you come and you just don't run well enough to finish without really any, you know, it's not because of a penalty. It's not because of something. But, you know, those guys that we're talking about, they finished behind Corey LaJoy, Ryan Newman, Daniel Suarez, Ryan Priest, Cole Custer, Chris Buescher. You, you, you can't come to the playoff opener and do that. Now, those guys, those those people I mentioned all had top 15 runs, so great for them. But if you're a playoff guy, what's yeah, for sure. And that that's wonderful for them. But you can't, if you're a playoff car with aspirations on moving on, you can't come finish behind cars that haven't contended for playoff spots all year and just say, Oh man, we just, we were off tonight. Like, darn, we'll get them next time. You, you can't do that. It's just, that's not how you advance. I mean, it's, that's just spells doom to me. Like that's not a good sign. No, it puts yourself in a bad position where you're on the defense now. And instead of being on the offense, because you've got a point to kind of play with a little bit, you got to go to Richmond and you, if you get into an accident, well, then you're going into Bristol, which is a must play. And that's not a scenario you want to be in. Um, I, I think there's going to be a lot of guys that leave here going, what a shoulda, coulda. And Alex Bowman was kind of at a post-race. I mean, I asked him, I said, you know, did it make you feel a little bit better, the fact that you you could have been a lot worse of a hole than you're in? And he's like, not really, because the mistakes we made were all kind of self-inflicted. I got into the wall early when I shouldn't have. Um, and then we just kind of, everything just kind of went sideways from there. So, yeah, I think there's going to be a lot of people kicking themselves tonight. I think well, there's going to be a lot of teams after round after the third race in round one at Bristol, they're going to look back at Darlington and go, man, that is where it went wrong. Much like last year with Ryan Blaney, where everything went wrong here to start the playoffs and it never got right. And he was a surprise casualty. So Denny Hamlin finally picks up his first win of the year after we thought, you know, it happened much earlier. Um, I believe this is like his 16th season and he's only had one winless season and that was in 2018. So that gets checked off. But what's really interesting about Hamlin is he continues to be on pace for like career marks. Um, his average finish is now 8.8. His previous best career average finish was 9.3 last year. Before that, it was 9.5 the year before. He's really coming into his prime right now. He's also, um, he has a ton of top 10s, uh, 18 top 10s, and I believe his career high is 24. So if he's able to get top 10 finishes in six of the final nine events, he'll be able to tie his career high in top 10s, which is no small feat. Um, And he's also uh, has a shot to get his career high in top five finishes. He's five behind now. So should we take Denny Hamlin seriously now, like more seriously than before he won this race? Does this change anything about his actual championship hopes? No, it doesn't change anything for me at all. I mean, I, I had him as a championship contender going into this, probably as my was he in your two, final four. He was in my, I was on the, he was, let's see, I had Larson and Elliott for sure. I had Kyle Busch for sure. And then I had Truex and Denny Hamlin as that fourth spot. Well, that you just named like six people or something. I named five guys and I okay. had, those were my five clear contenders. And well, I think it was, I don't remember what you said on the podcast last week. Cause it was very late at night at Daytona. But yeah, I'm not sure you said Denny Hamlin. So if you didn't say Denny Hamlin, now you say this doesn't change the way you feel. I didn't have, I'll, I'll, I'll throw myself on the sword. I didn't have Denny Hamlin in my final four. Cause I'm like, no, I just don't think this is the kind of year. They just don't, they don't seem to have it. Um, so does this, for me, 
I do think this changes how I look at that team. Like, okay, they can get it done in that situation. Um, They've already proven they can get it done. I mean, they, they're, this is a guy who yeah, they won all year. I mean, come on. Like, I mean, this is a team that's ran incredibly well. You just ran through the statistics, the running up front on a weekly basis that they had the string of top five finishes to begin the year. I mean, they have a track record of success. I mean, it's, and you know, the cars are good because it, Joe Gibbs racing has been pretty strong the second half of the season. So I wasn't worried about that. It was more of a, okay, someone's going to have to get knocked out with basically whoever has bad luck in round three. So this doesn't change anything. We know they can win. They're, Chris Gabbard is one of the best crew chiefs in the garage. Denny Hamlin is one of the best drivers. And they're with one of the best teams. And any given week, they can show up and win. They could have had how many wins, you know, at the beginning of the year, three, four, five things, circumstances play out differently. So it doesn't really change much to me. Honestly, what I saw tonight, I still think this is Kyle Larson's championship right now to lose i mean it's he was really really good tonight for the most part they, they didn't close it out probably the way they should have but that doesn't concern you know i i just there was nothing out of kyle larson tonight that i saw it says oh man i don't know if this is his or not this looks like a driver and team still operating at a really high level and this has not always been the best track for kyle larson it's kind of been hit or miss you look, I just think they're still in a really good spot. I think Hamlin's fine. I think Martin Truex Jr., who I like a lot, and is probably my championship pick if I had to pick somebody. Um, I think they look good tonight. They had a lot of speed. So the guys I think are going to contend this championship, with the exception of Kyle Busch, did what they needed to do tonight. I'm pretty sure – I know you're tired, but I'm pretty sure you just said this is Larson's championship to lose. Yeah, I'm pretty and then sure. you said, Then you said Martin Truex Jr. is your pick, so – yeah, There's a lot of I mean, picks going on, so I'm just trying to cover my bases. Well, listen. It's speaking of one morning, one base you mentioned, you mentioned Kyle Busch. Does does anything that happened tonight not just not just the what whatever whose fault it was on track? I, you know, he kept saying the three wasn't to blame, but I thought Dylan wrecked him. But I guess maybe Kyle was saying that because they he thought they their performance was just bad. Um, but you know, he swore on live TV, ran over a bunch of cones. Clearly, I mean, I, you saw his car. I, I don't know. Could they even try to get that back out at least? Get that a few more was, points? I mean, that thing no? looks. That, I, I don't. I mean, it looked pretty seriously damaged, and I okay. don't even know what it looked like underneath it. I would be shocked if there's not some kind of major suspension damage. Then he goes and he says, you know, they say, well, what about Richmond and Bristol? And he's like, who cares? You know, like we we have no chance, kind of thing. Typical, you know, salty Kyle. You know, after you know, but does does any of that change your view on? the playoff run that he's capable of making, like you're like, eh, I'm not, not as sure about him. It would, no. It, well, yes and no, no, in the sense that he is very capable of winning at Richmond and Bristol. Those are two of his best tracks. And I think, and I'm, I should go back and look, but I think he's, he got more wins at Richmond than anywhere else. Or is it Bristol? I would think it was Bristol, but it might be, but regardless, those are two of his best tracks in terms of statistics and wins and everything. So he's very capable of winning there. What it does do, though, is it it takes away that margin of error where he has to be pretty much flawless from here in the next two races because if he has another bad race, then you're putting yourself in a must-win position. So that's what it does tonight is you are now in a spot where you have to finish well at Bristol. You've got to finish well at Richmond. And if you don't, you're going to be eliminated in round one. Well, as you said, those are his two best tracks. He has eight career wins at Bristol, six career wins at Richmond. So um, if there's anywhere to go to, I mean, again, it's only a two-point hole, so it's really not that big of a deal. 
Um, yeah. So aside from that, I don't really feel like I changed my mind or feel differently about any other people tonight. Like, um, you know, I, I think Chase Elliott will be fine. Um, you know, obviously a couple of mistakes, but they'll clean that up and rebound and they'll be okay. Byron, I feel like will be okay. You know, they've run pretty well. They haven't gotten finishes really. This, this sort of continues a streak of finishes that aren't so great for them. Um, or like at least inconsistent, but I mean, you know, if he, if he doesn't run into his teammate there in the early laps, I think this is a completely different race for them. So I'm not ready to, to, change my view of his season based on that. I still, I mean, I picked him to make the final four. Maybe I feel a little bit less confident about that after this, but overall, um, yeah, I don't feel like too much has changed. Uh, you look like you're about to fall asleep, Jordan. Do you want to move on to the next topic? Uh, let's, uh, let's do it. I'm ready. And I'm, yes, I am. I'm tired. It is a long day at the racetrack. Well, um, I don't know if you were awake, but uh, there was an F1 race this morning. Were you able to watch that at all uh, on your I way saw, down? Or? I saw a, a, a little bit of it, and then I had to get to the racetrack. So Okay. Well, um, I was able to watch that one, and I tell you what, that the, the Dutch crowd there. Oh, my um, goodness. Incredible. Unbelievable, yeah. And it was really cool. I mean, that track, I guess they hadn't used in – 36 years or something. And the banking was so cool. Like they're like the start of the race with all the cars coming through, like the F one cars and the banking like that. I mean, I know it's minor banking compared to what we're used to in NASCAR, but that was really neat. Um, and of course a really, uh, you know, whenever you can hear the crowd over the engines, I think that's really cool. And, um, Max Verstappen gets a well-deserved win in his home country. Those people were absolutely like going nuts for him. And, uh, you know, Lewis Hamilton said, look, I mean, they gave it everything we had, but they were really no match for, for Stapp. And they tried to throw strategy with Botas doing one stop and everything. And, uh, it just, it didn't work. Red Bull right now mm-hmm. is just cruising, man. Like I, I just don't see how they can be stopped. Well, I feel like we've said that before in this podcast <laughs> and then Hamilton ended up passing for Stappen. So, um, I'm not ready to concede anything yet, but if, if Max can avoid it, basically Max just has to finish races. I mean, that, that was the problem. Once he had back-to-back weeks where he you know, didn't even get through the first quarter. And if he can do that, he should be fine. And if you look at the points that he's left on the table this year, that's quite a bit. So, yeah, I, I mean, I think the championship is probably tilted in his advantage, but I feel like it's been a pendulum that's kind of swung back and forth all year. And I'm not ready to count Hamilton out yet. I think this is great. We need, we've got a, a, a title fight and for Max to win in front of his home country, that's cool to see great racetrack, fun racetrack, love the layout. I, I, this is a much different track than you've seen formula one add in recent years. And I think this is much needed in some respects. So encouraging. So I don't, I, you were probably busy or on your way to the track at this point, but something kind of hilarious happened toward the end of the race or that caught my attention. Um, so I don't. You, you saw the reports this week where George Russell is likely to be replacing yep. Botas at Mercedes next year. Botas is on his way out. So toward the end of the race, um, Botas uh, has new tires on because he made like a, a late pit stop, and he goes out and at, toward the end of his lap, they say um, abort your attempt to get fastest lap because Lewis had it, and they didn't want to take a point away from Lewis. So. Botas ends up getting fastest lap anyway. So then 
<laughs> they said, please don't get fastest lap. And he did. And then um, Hamilton had to pit and he had to put on new tires. And then he went out and did get fastest lap on the white flag lap on the final lap of the race to take it away from Botas. But it was like, whoa. I mean, I guess Botas doesn't have to listen anymore. I'm not sure exactly if he, it's, it was a little bit unclear after the race, what he was saying about like, uh, he didn't mean to get fastest lap. I mean, you'd think you could just lift a little bit and you wouldn't get it. But, um, anyway, it'll be something to watch with Mercedes strategy going forward, because if they've already told him, Hey, you're gone. And then they say, give up your position, you know, like, uh, and, and I think Botas is a nice guy and he's a really good teammate and he just is a good soldier for the most part. But Something to watch over there at Mercedes because Lewis is going to need his wingman, and um, I don't know if it was a good move to tell him to tell him you're you're out. Uh, but I guess it's not officially. But that is funny. I mean, but Botas is the he's a perfect wingman. He has been a great teammate to Lewis Hamilton. He's very different, differential, differential, differential. Right? Yeah, yeah. Thank you. It's late. I'm punchy. <laughs> um, He's been perfect for him. And he, he's always been willing to kind of be the number two and fall in line. And like you said, though, if you don't want to, if he's not going to do that and he's going to start costing Hamilton points in a championship where he's going to need every point. Oh man, that's going to be fun. It's going to be really fun. I have something to run by you. I, I, um, I just moved to a new house and my next door neighbor is into F1 uh, okay. coincidentally. And so we watched the F1 race today together and he brought up a good point and he said, you know, why, uh, because of what we just talked about, why would you want to get rid of Botas? I mean, okay, the performance isn't there, but if your goal is to get a championship for one of your guys, like to help Lewis say, well, isn't he the perfect guy to just do whatever you say? I mean, we've, we've seen teammates before that don't want to listen or that get, you know, when Rosberg was there with Hamilton, that was a almost fractured situation, right? Like they, almost it was, man, they well, were running into each other. That's and- what I'm saying. So, you know, why, why, I mean, just to play devil's advocate here, I, I didn't really have an answer to his question because I thought, well, that's kind of a good point. The issue is if the goal is to just get Lewis Hamilton a championship, then yes, Botas is the quintessential teammate because he's going to always let Lewis go ahead of all man. He's going to play second fiddle. However, if the goal is to win the manufacturer's championship, which is what the teams will tell you actually care, they care more about. You need to maximize your points every single week with both of your drivers. They're they not. Did. They finished second and third today. I mean, today, today. But look at Botas' stats. It's there is times there are stretches throughout the season where he is up and he's down, and he's not scoring points. And he's you don't need that. You need somebody who can go out there. And if Red Bull's having an off day, they're there to capitalize. Or if Red Bull's hitting it, they've got a way to to, to kind of stymie them a little bit. I get it from a manufacturer perspective. You want your two best guns to go out there and get as many points as they can. Now, I think you make up a really good point, though. It's going to be fascinating next year to see how this dynamic with Lewis and George unfolds because Lewis is now going to have a teammate who is very hungry and is very fast and isn't necessarily maybe going to be concede everything. That said, wouldn't be shocked if there's built into George Russell's contract, which we, we typically see, which is you have to follow team orders and you are clearly the number two driver. If that's the case, then he's not going to have much choice. Well, and that's, that would make sense because it would be like, look, we're, we'll bring you here. You, you play nice for a couple of years, Lewis yep. retires, and then you'll be our number one guy. Just exactly. be patient kind of thing. Get experience, be patient, but I don't know. It'll still be a, 
a difficult situation. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Jordan, you were also there at Darlington for the Xfinity race and the Truck Series race. Any impressions from those um, as the Xfinity Series regular season starts to wind down and the Truck Series playoffs um, is in its second race? Much needed win for Noah Gregson. Uh, it's been a tough year for him for a lot of different reasons. Needed this win, first win of the year, long time coming. It was interesting to watch him have better race management at the end of a race than what we have typically seen. You go back to Homestead this year, a race he should have won, mismanaged that race, in control late at Darlington, did a nice job with that. Truck Series, Sheldon Creed starts a playoffs two for two, goes goes winless in the regular season, doesn't matter, starts the playoffs, goes two for two. He looks like he's getting, he and John Arnimacek are probably the two guys that are probably going to end up fighting it out for the championship. Yeah, um, I mean, I, I really thought that this was going to be an explosion of John Hunter Nemechek victories um, to start the start the playoffs, or that he would be um, closer to you know at least contending. But he had a, a bad first race or an off first race, and um, you know I guess they're there. But it, you know it's like Creed has really stepped up all of a sudden. You know he's now if you go back to his championship win last year. Um, he's now won three straight playoff races and four of the last, uh, six, I think playoff races overall in the truck series. So, um, the guy really steps up now. Hamlin was probably going to win the Xfinity race, obviously, um, until he did not get the luck that he, and and the breaks that, um, he was able to avoid, um, the the pitfalls, I guess, um, uh, in the Southern 500. But I, I just said that totally, I, 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 you know, Jordan, I just, it, it, we're, we're talking about this so late at night. I just, I can't speak anymore, but, um, you know, <laughs> he, I, had I, a, he had a race that he should have, that, that should have been a race. He should have won. Yeah, he should have swept. swept. He should have swept. Um, he was passing a slower car. You could, you could, you could sit there and say, should he have been more careful passing lap traffic at that time? Cause the lap car gave him more room. It was a racing thing, but he still even recovered from that. Then he had a pit road penalty, which was clearly a pit road penalty. But then he also had a uh, an issue passing a slower car on pit road, which that was inexplicable, which made no sense because you're not supposed to pass cars on pit road. And he was trying to do it, and then they ended up making contact. So there was a couple preventable things there that could have happened. He still almost won the race. Yeah. Well, Jordan, before you fall asleep, it's time to make our picks for the Was It a Good Race poll. I ended up winning the regular season 17 to 10 on like a seven race win streak or something. How could you win at 17 to 10? There's only 26 regular season races. Uh, I guess we did the clash and the all-star race. So that, okay. So that should be 18 races. Then. Okay. Well, yeah, I, I don't know. Races. Maybe we didn't do it for one of them. So you're making up the numbers. Got it. Okay. Big Joe wall 72 kept the spreadsheet. Everybody can see it. It's right there on Twitter. Anyway. Um, do you, would you like to, 
no. give me the regular season trophy prize or anything like that uh, before sure. we start the playoff picks? What is it? Well, I don't know. I mean, shouldn't I get some sort of advantage in these playoffs before we, I mean, I'm just going to, where are we just going to reset? I get nothing for winning the regular season, 17 to 10. I will get you a ribbon and maybe something you can put on your fridge. I think whoever said this on Twitter a few weeks ago, it was correct that I should be able to pick second. Every That's week fine. Going forward. Okay. I agree to that. Okay. Well then let's do it. You pick first Darlington Southern 500 clean slate, zero, zero, 10 week playoff to decide the was it a good race poll champion? Who you, what, what's your pick here? 82%. All right. I'm not going to be mean. Um, I'm not going to pick 83. I'm going to pick a little bit higher in the eighties because I was pretty bullish on this race. Um, I don't see why somebody would say this is not a good race. Even if your driver went out, like what, what's like, I don't understand. This is a good race. Like this should be again, one yet another race where this should probably be in contention for best race of the year, but for some reason people won't let it be. But I will say, uh, 87. I feel like that maybe is a pinch too high. Really high. It is high, but I'm trying to give you a little bit of breathing room. Cause I feel a little bit bad that I've been winning so much. No, I don't care. You do care. You do no, care. I really don't. All right. Well, Jordan, any final thoughts? Uh, I'm worried about you driving home everybody can you tweet out uh when you make it back to your home so that all our listeners know that sleepy jordan successfully made it back without falling asleep at the wheel i'm pretty sure no one who's listening to this podcast will really care so no i'm good that's not true this could be your final words if you fall asleep so please don't please let us know that you made it you made it home (laughs) and uh This is turned morbid, everybody. Everybody, uh, listen, before we go, oh my gosh, I forgot to tell them about the offer that's only going to be out for one more week. Yes. 50% off of the all the athletic for new subscribers right now. Um, don't miss this. Like we, I think it's September 13th or something that we looked it up. It's just for like college football and the NFL season kickoff. NFL starts next weekend. So you know, the Richmond, by the time the Richmond podcast comes out, it might be already gone. This offer 50% off for new subscribers to the athletic, go to the slash the teardown. And if you subscribe off that link, both Jordan and I will get credit. Isn't that awesome? We get to share. So we would really appreciate that. If you are a new subscriber and you subscribe to the athletic, because we work really hard on our stories. And if we can show everybody like, Hey, look, racing draws some interest then we can keep going out there keep going all the racetracks i will be at richmond next week and jordan i will talk to you from there look forward to it my friend yes uh everybody have a great week thanks for listening talk to you next time on the teardown